It's a busier than a bird dog day here at the KRVN World Headquarters. We are joined, as always, by the usual gang of suspects. Susan Littlefield, Jason Jorgensen, and, of course, Bob Brogan. And, well, Susan, uh, we're going to have a lot to talk about on midday because eventually we're going to run out of sports to talk about. So we're going to let you lead off here. I know. I tell you, I'm so bummed about the sports situation because I was looking forward to going to Minneapolis to watch some college wrestling. So, darn it, me and everybody else around the world. Look at your calendar. Today's Friday the 13th, but where were you on the 13th of March 2019? We know that was the whole start of this whole bomb cyclone and everything that we had weather-wise. Well, kicking it all off at 1219, Al Dutcher talks with Shaley Peters, and it's going to be a wet couple of weeks. She talks about deja vu, but he's got a really good concept of what is happening and trying not to compare too much to what we dealt with last year. Then at 1245, Greg Dowd, the ambassador, and I sit down to talk about trade coronavirus of course has had a big talk in the marketplace he talks about the work that is still continuing to be done on a day-to-day basis with china even with coronavirus taking place then at 117 brandon you step in as you talk about uh, the face-to-face classes beginning march 30th due to some immediate concerns about the spread of coronavirus so we'll now talk about those suspensions and a whole lot more that sounds great susan many thanks we appreciate it Yep, thank you. Take good care. One of the things that uh, many people hear is that the University of Nebraska is canceling classes. That's not the case. We're going to talk about their suspension of in-person classes, and you heard a little bit about it earlier with President Ted Carter. We're going to go in-depth with how that decision was made with a UNK spokesperson, Todd Gatula. Jason, I'm going to ask this next question and then duck, but how's the sports world right now? Well, we have state basketball to talk about. Thank God, right? Today's okay. Class D1 action, a game you can find over on our sister station, 93.1 on the river. Southern Valley's playing well so far this morning. They have themselves an 18-8 lead over Humphrey. Lindsay Holy Family, that's a mouthful to spit out, but our own Scott Foster is doing a nice job with that. Once again, you can find the Eagles game over on 93.1 on the river. If Southern Valley wins, they would play in the championship game tomorrow. The game taking place at PBA, you have defending state champion Auburn, who's 27-0 on the year. They are leading Lincoln Christian 24 to 18. Earlier this morning, Ogallala was able to beat a very good Adams Central squad, 47 to 35, and Laurel Concord Coleridge. I think they're going by LCC, which makes sense. Absolutely, <laughs> another <laughs> mouthful. Yeah, that rolls out of the tongue. Uh, they knocked off uh, top-seeded St. Pat's, 65-49. We'll have an update for you coming up in sports. Also, the Big Ten announced today the suspension of all spring activities until April the 6th. So that means no spring football. For Nebraska. And I realize every state has to make their own decision, but I am really proud of the state of Nebraska. The tournament was already going on. The players were already there. Kansas canceled theirs. Yeah. Missouri canceled theirs. Iowa canceled theirs. At least Nebraska, you, re, you, re, you limit it to family only and you get through the tournament. So at least they're playing today. Bob Brogan, we're going to turn to you. And speaking of questions that we're going to ask and then duck, but uh, how's the financial market right now? Stocks clawing back some of the ground they lost recently. And right now they're up uh, about 380 points uh, to the Dow Jones Industrial Average in trading. But there's the rest of the day to go and a lot of ground to make up. And uh, we'll be talking about that throughout the day. And Warren uh, Buffett's Berkshire Hathaway get-together will go on as scheduled, but there won't be anybody there to watch it. All of that and more midday.
Calling all vendors and exhibitors. You can be a part of the first Agri-Virtual Trade Show online at krvn.com. March 18th to the 21st, Agri-Virtual will pull in thousands of attendees with its variety of vendors, all from their computers or mobile devices. No matter what you sell, KRVN's Agri-Virtual Trade Show is a great opportunity to display your company's latest products, technology, services, and job opportunities. Reserve your Agri-Virtual Trade Show booth by calling KRVN at 308-324-2371. Paul Perkins, I mentioned earlier that today is a busier than a bird dog day here at the KRV and World Headquarters, and probably nobody busier than you because we got a heck of a storm coming our way. Exactly. Uh, starting to snow over southern portions of Nebraska. We have some snow on the ground. Uh, if you look at the webcams near Wilsonville, pretty white in those locations there, and uh, quite a bit of precipitation starting to make its way. Some of it, a rain-snow mix, moving up from northwest Kansas. Some of that precipitation is far n- North is maybe the Holdridge to McCook area, but most of it over northwest Kansas, as far as east as Smith Center to Russell, Kansas, and then points back off towards the north and northwest. Already a trace of snow being reported in the St. Francis area, but looks like nearly an inch of snow on the ground towards Wilsonville. I don't don't really consider myself that old of a man yet, but uh, a couple days ago I was talking to younger friend of mine who's almost half my age, and he lives in Omaha now, and... uh, made the comment uh, this weekend i'm gonna have to lock in the hubs <laughs> yep exactly. and there was a long silence at the end of What's the phone that? and he had no idea what i was talking about and at that point i realized i realized my age <laughs> you don't have just a switch on your button <laughs> oh yeah everybody's got that now but right now temperatures for the most part in the mid to upper 30s across the area we do have the winter storm warning now through seven tomorrow evening for parts of west central and north central nebraska or if you're along and west of a line from ainsworth to broken bow north pot and curtis that is an expansion of that winter storm warning from yesterday accumulations of four to seven inches in that area once again along and west of a line from ainsworth to broken bow north pot and curtis winter weather advisory for this afternoon through four tomorrow afternoon to the south and east and that winter storm warning area in nebraska this does include areas along and west of a line from west point to seward and superior so much of the state already in this winter weather advisory if not in the winter storm warning kansas the advisory is along and west of a line from smith center to joaquini and nest city two to five inches of snow is expected we will see those rain and snow chances increase through tonight with low pressure tracking northeast out of the four corners at precipitation starting out as a rain snow mix the main impact of the storm tonight into tomorrow morning when the rain changes to all snow most of the area, of course, in that winter weather advisory, initial snow accumulations may be limited by our warm ground temperatures and temperatures hovering around or just below freezing. Conditions will improve by tomorrow afternoon when those snow chances decrease and that low moves off towards the east. Easterly winds of 15 to 25 don't look to be much of an issue with this system with this heavier and wet snow. Sunday and Sunday night, mainly dry before mainly small chances of rain and snow are back for early next week with the approach of more low pressure. With warmer temperatures in the 50s by Wednesday and Thursday, rain is likely with some thunderstorms. If it's cold enough, it could see uh, some of that precipitation fall as snow. Our latest long-term forecast, not looking as cold as yesterday's, slightly cooler than normal to seasonal temperatures are now likely for Wednesday through March 26th in Nebraska and Kansas. Above normal precipitation remains likely for Nebraska and Kansas Wednesday through the 26th, especially the mid to late part of next week, that best chance for moisture. Brandon, a year to the date of last year's bomb cyclone that brought devastating plenty to our area. 
with that potential for spring flooding right now near to above average. So not as great as what we had yes uh, last year at this time. The primary threats are high river levels and generally elevated soil moisture. But the long ra- and the long range outlook is indicating for this month through June higher a higher likelihood of above normal precipitation. Now some other risks include below normal to um, a near-zero ice jam thread, and also the ground is also frost-free to allow any of the spring that does fall to soak in. That wasn't the case last year, so a much different scenario. Much, much different scenario. It's a difference. It's, it's amazing the difference that a year makes in so many different ways. Yes. And you said a year ago, and here we are with another storm. So do we just need to pencil it on the calendar, March thirteenth, two 2021, it, get it, ready for another snowstorm? It must be. Taking a look at the weather factors in the market, they do include continued wet conditions throughout the central U.S. and favorable trends in South America. In the Midwest and Northern Plains, field work disruption. Flooding are likely from widespread rain with some snow the next 10 days. The Southern Plains, rain and snow the next 5 to 10 days will benefit the winter wheat and pastures. Northern and Central Brazil will be drier through early next week, which favors their late soybean harvest. Southern Brazil will see rain, but with a limited benefit for crops following a hot and dry pattern over the past month. In south-central Argentina, their forecast includes continued rain to benefit filling corn and soybeans. Additional rain expected next week. And as always, Paul, people can go to two different locations to find maps and the latest website. What are those again? You can go to the KRVN, uh, KRVN Facebook page and, of course, KRVN.com. Again this week, we get to visit with our Nebraska Extension Agricultural Climatologist, Al Dutcher. I'm Shaley Peters on the Rural Radio Network. And, Al, as we head into the weekend, I think a lot of people have been uh, keeping up to date. Looks like winter weather has decided it's not going to go away just yet. Let's get a full breakdown of this forecast headed into the weekend and next week. All right, Shaley. Well, last week we had talked about the potential for some storm, and it started to move in as early as this weekend. And we've seen several changes in that as we've gone through the week. So uh, my confidence in this forecast is going to be very, very low, but we're going to give it a shot. The first and foremost is we've got this low that is ejecting out of the southwest at the same time. We have some troughing that's moving across the northern United States. Of course, we're going to see the precipitation starting to spread across the state. We're starting to see some returns, at least from a radar, in west-central Nebraska. And I suspect as the day progresses, we'll start to see that uh, moisture fill in moving from south to north, and probably the panhandle in southwest Nebraska will start to feel the precipitation later this afternoon. As we get into the overnight hours, of course, we expect that to change over to snow, and the forecasts currently are anywhere from 4 to 8 inches with the area just to the northwest and north Platte currently for forecasted to have the most significant snow. This is going to be a very wet snow. We're probably not going to be looking at lows that will get any much lower than the, uh, the mid to upper 20s. Good thing is it doesn't look to be a lot of wind with it. It does appear that as we get into the second half of tomorrow, at least from the standpoint of western Nebraska, we'll start to see an end to the precipitation. It may linger a little bit farther eastward. I think the biggest issue in eastern Nebraska is whether or not this system as it progresses eastward weakens so that we see the intensity drop off and we only are left with an inch or two of snow, or do we get uh, enough of energy moving it through the state that we get a little bit more in terms of totals. The good news is, if we believe the GFS model, once this comes to an end, we're going to get a lull for a couple days before we turn our attention to another system ejecting out of the western United States, and it doesn't appear to be as cold 
cold as was originally forecasted earlier in the week. So this snow most likely will not last very long before we start to see the next system ejecting out. And at this point in time, it looks like as we get into late Monday and early Tuesday, we'll start to see another piece of energy move into our region and spreading some pretty significant moisture into the central plains. Temperatures with this one look to be much warmer, so this might be more of a rainfall event than anything else. Then we get another lull for a couple days where another piece of energy comes out, expected to come out next weekend. So we are in a wet pattern. This is how the GFS model sees it at this point in time. um, The one that I would worry about as we get into the later half of next week is that the rain, especially in the northwest side of the state, particularly the northern panhandle, may come in the form of snowfall. Most likely going to see some changes with the system, and we may actually see some areas that will be changed over to more accumulating snowfall. As we look out farther, there are increasing signs, at least we once we get through this series of three storms, that a much warmer pattern develops as we get into the last full week of the month. But yet another upper air low will start to move into the western United States toward month end, and that one will have to pay attention for ejection out into the central plains as we get into the first full week of April. So the stormy pattern is here. We're getting more activity out of the southwestern United States that we haven't seen for a couple months. This is kind of expected. We'll wait to see how long this pattern exists. As long as we can get through this before we get into the main primary planting season, really won't have a lot of significant impacts with it outside of calving operations and, and slowing down some field operations. But in terms of planting, let's hope for much warmer and drier weather as we move into the month of April. Thanks, Al. Nebraska Extension Agricultural Climatologist Al Dutcher, you're listening to the Rural Radio Network. Um. Time for a check of midday sports headlines, and uh, for now, good news in uh, Southern Valley. That's right. The Eagles trying to pull off their second consecutive upset at the state tournament. They were inside four minutes left, and at last check, they had a 37-29 lead over Humphrey, Lindsay, Holy Family. So we'll see if the Eagles can hold on and move on to their just second state championship game in the uh, history of the school. Lots of smiles down in Oxford right now. Uh, right now, if they can hang on. If you'd like to l- listen to the end of this one, you can catch it over on our sister station, 93.1 The River and at krvn.com. Earlier today, Ogallala beat a very good Adams Central squad 47-35, to and in D1 it was LCC knocking against St. Pat's 65-49, to and Auburn. They will move into a state championship game for a second straight year as they down Lincoln Christian 49 to 37. Now, later on tonight, quite a game at 7 o'clock. In C2, you have Central Catholic against a very good UTAN squad. That one starts at 7. And uh, we'll have other finals taking place. Brandon, I'm just glad they're playing the games because yes. I, I was really afraid that they were going to shut this thing down after what we've seen other state tournaments do. NCAA at all their different levels, 1, 2, and 3, have shut down. NAI even stopped a game yeah. mid game. We mentioned that yesterday. Iowa has shut their tournament, high school basketball tournaments down. Kansas, Missouri, so relatively surrounding states, but at least Nebraska, the kids are there. Let them play. That's right. Big Ten Conference today announced that all organized team activities have been suspended until April 6th. They'll have a re-evaluation at that time. Of course, that affects Nebraska's scheduled spring football practices, so the Huskers will not be practicing tomorrow. And golf's annual ride of spring won't happen this year. Augusta National has decided to postpone the Masters because of the spread of the corona. Coronavirus. That means there will be no golf, at least through the next month. The Masters had been scheduled for April 9th 
through the 12th. You know, people have asked me about my thoughts on it. Of course, I have many, but whenever you drive, which is one of the most dangerous activities you'll ever do in your life, you wear your seatbelt, you lock your doors, you turn on your headlights, you drive the speed limit. If there's snow on the ground, you drive a little slower, you take extra precautions. That's exactly what we're doing here and help flattening that bell curve to not overwhelm the health system. I think this is a good way for the Masters to go. I do think it was kind of a knee-jerk reaction to cancel the CWS three months out, but especially when there's a chance you know after this passes you start practice up again you never know what happens but i guess they'd rather be safe than sorry and you can't fault them for that and of course everybody can go to our website and check out the latest scores at least for the high school basketball and then after that we'll see what we can do next week will be interesting it will be next month will be interesting Governor Pete Ricketts held a press conference today to give an update on the coronavirus status in Nebraska. Currently, he said there are 13 confirmed cases of COVID-19 in the state. Ricketts said he would recommend school closures when 1% of Nebraskans have the coronavirus. Young people will actually weather this fairly well. Of the 1,700 cases that we have here in the United States, we don't have any pediatric fatalities that we know of. When we think about things like closing schools, what we're really doing is trying to protect the health of the elderly, their grandparents, for example, or people with underlying medical conditions. But if you're young and healthy, you may not even know that you have it. You may be completely asymptomatic. You may have the typical profiles for somebody to get a fever, coughing, maybe a little bit of trouble breathing. So our goal is to make sure that we slow down the spread of the virus so that we don't overwhelm the healthcare system. All four University of Nebraska campuses and Creighton University have announced plans to shift to online classes by this month in an effort to slow the spread of the new coronavirus. A large rangeland fire yesterday south of Arnold along Highway 47 in Custer County drew a multitude of fire departments. It blackened many acres, according to Arnold Fire Chief Eric Nelson. We had a a page to a fire at... uh Two o'clock yesterday afternoon from a three-phase power line that had broke and uh, started uh, two separate grass fires in uh, in the same location um, burned approximately 3,800 acres. 17 fire departments were paged and assisted at the scene along with area ranchers and farmers who pitched in with farm equipment. County Partners Co-op provided water and there were no structures damaged. But Nelson says fencing that had to be cut to access the fire will need to be repaired. The the worst part of the whole day was the wind would change about 10 degrees direction um, and we would get one flank of the fire basically contained and put out and then the wind would switch and kick up the other flank of the fire. Um, Just before sundown, the fire did reach some canyons full of cedar trees and uh, our best way to mitigate that was to just... uh, burn a black line all the way around those canyons uh, up on high ground in the flat to uh, surround it with black line. Nelson says there were no injuries to firefighters. He says one pasture contained some cattle that were not immediately threatened, but ranchers eventually moved them. Nelson visited the fire site this morning and says the fire is 99% out. Nelson says fire departments came from as far away as Thetford, Curtis, Farnham, Lexington, and Broken Bow, along with all the fire departments within that geographical square. Finally, the number of coronavirus cases in Kansas has grown to six with a diagnosis of the first infection outside the Kansas City metropolitan area. The Kansas Department of Health and Environment said today that the new case is a Butler County man in his 70s who had traveled outside of the U.S. 
He is in isolation and health officials are reaching out to people who have had contact with him. Governor Laura Kelly on Thursday announced the state's first death, a non-mobile man in his 70s who was infected in a Wyandotte County nursing home. Kansas officials don't know whether other residents are ill. That is your afternoon news update. I'm Tyler Cavalli, and for more, visit our website at krvn.com. Movement of meat containers in China might not have all to do with coronavirus. Good afternoon, I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. Earlier this week, Ambassador Greg Dowd, Chief Agriculture Negotiator for the Office of the U.S. Trade Representative, spent time at the Governor's Ag Conference. We talked about a Wall Street Journal article that talked about the food not moving in China and not seeing the profitability for producers in the U.S. And the reason they're not moving here is because our production is going through the roof. I remember a time when I was the chief economist for the cattlemen, say, uh, you know, 15 years ago, where if any one of the beef, pork, and poultry complex, the production was up 1%, you couldn't hold prices together in the complex. And again, think of it now, poultry up 4, beef up 4, pork up 8%. That is a lot of stuff uh, that we're making in this country, but we're, you know, so far, we're holding prices together despite the coronavirus, and, and, you know, this is a storm right now. Let's be clear. This is a black swan. This is a tough environment at the moment, but you got to believe that, you know, it's like any storm in, in Nebraska this time of year or in Kansas. You know, eventually you wake up in the morning and the sun is up, and, and we'll get through this, and I think we'll get through this too, but it is rough at the moment, no question about it. Even with that black swan going on, the work of phase one does continue behind the scenes, maybe what people aren't seeing. What people aren't seeing behind the scenes is that USDA, USTR, and our Chinese counterparts, we are talking by phone and by email every single day. And so far, all these 57 things that we have to implement in this deal, we haven't missed a beat. The Chinese are working very, very hard to implement this, and so are we. And so far, uh, there is no indication that uh, they're delaying or backing down or, or that uh, anything has been a problem. It, but I, will, I have to give uh, uh, our counterparts in China a lot of credit. They, it's been a very difficult environment for their, them there, uh, but they have been working really, really hard to do this. If you look beyond China and, and Phase 1, we've got, of course, UK, the Brexit's been going on, what we've seen in Vietnam. We know Africa's another hot spot for wanting agricultural opportunities. You know, uh, we are, uh, our overall ag exports in January uh, were up about 1% from a year ago. Uh, Vietnam was up 25%. Our exports to China were up 72%. Uh, we're doing really, really well. Uh, with one exception. There's one commodity where we are really struggling. Our, uh, our exports are down, I think, 40-some percent versus a year ago, and we were down $5 billion in corn exports last year versus the year before. For f- whatever reason, and I think it's, it's the strength in the value of the dollar, it's competition from Brazil, Argentina, even Ukraine, uh, we are really struggling on the corn export side of the equation, but it's so, you know, uh, hopefully, uh, we can work through that, and, and you know, uh, strengthen the dollar is something that's very, very difficult to deal with uh, for us here in agriculture. But again, we're going to be marketing a lot of corn and soybean meal through those critters as well. And it's that time of year, too, where we're competing not only with the dollar, but what we're seeing in Brazil, in Argentina, as they get these crops out of the ground. Well, that's exactly right. It's now, uh, seasonally, it's the time for uh, Brazil to go in terms of uh, soybeans here. And they've got a record crop. 
they've had great weather down there again. Uh, they're going to be very difficult competition, and, and uh, will remains to be seen what in terms uh, comes in terms of their second corn crop here. Uh, but they are formidable competitors, and and the value of the Brazilian real right now is at an all-time low versus the U.S. dollar. So what that means. Uh, for that Brazilian farmer is he's being sent the signal to grow and expand and go, 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 because in his currency, he's getting a huge price for corn and soybeans. You talked about the struggles that we've seen in the corn exporting. What about the dairy industry? That has been probably one of the biggest struggle buses for agriculture lately. Um, interestingly enough, uh, where I go with that question is the China agreement. You know, the, the, in, in the China phase one agreement, 27 pages of that is agriculture out of uh, 86. But the biggest chunk of that agricultural text is actually dairy. And so many things that we learned in our hundreds of hours of conversations was that China just didn't have a mechanism, a regulation, to allow imports of so many of our new dairy products and things that we can export. Yeah, we can export skim milk powder, but there are a whole bunch of other things that uh, we, we discovered that we just couldn't get in the country. And we were really frustrated with them. And that's when you read that text, you will see this is you know step-by-step-by-step step step mechanisms to create these regulations and create a way to get these products into China. And I will tell you, the Chinese want our dairy products. And they want all of our ag products. And they've been very clear with us. But we learned, they learned, they said, well, you know, the way your reg works, we can't do this. There's no way for us to, to get it in the country. And that's what we really spent hours working on trying to figure out how to get that done. And they were, they actually worked really, really hard to make that happen. Finally, you are spending some time back in Nebraska attending the Governor's Ag Conference. You'll be the keynote speaker at lunch. What are some things that you're wanting to share with the producers that are going to be in the room? Well, the biggest thing I'm going to badger everybody about today is read the China Agreement. Go online, pull it up, read those 27 pages. It helps you see the difficulty and, and the things that we try to resolve with China. We're going to take our ag exports to China. They're going to increase. There's no question about it. And we talked about the numbers here a little bit. Part of my conversation with Ambassador Doubt. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. Hazard. Time once again to welcome in Bob Brogan to the control room here at the KRVN studios and uh, for our midday business report. And another person I'm going to welcome in and open with the line. It's a busier than a bird dog day here in KRVN. It is a little bit busy today, but, uh, you know, it's a good kind of busy. And uh, the stock market is looking a little bit better than yesterday, and uh, it wouldn't take a whole lot. Uh, stocks are uh, trying to get back some of the ground it uh there that they lost yesterday and um, actually in over several days and uh, adding um, several hundred points to the dow jones industrial average in trading on wall street there's still a lot of ground to make up um the dow plunged more than 2300 points or 10 percent yesterday which was the worst day for the market since the black monday crash of 1987 right now the uh, dow up about 908 points, uh, give or take. NASDAQ up 288. The S&P 500 is uh, down 158. President Donald Trump's administration says it's awarding $1.3 million to two companies trying to develop rapid COVID-19 tests that could detect whether a person is positive for the new coronavirus within an hour. And uh, so that's one of the things taking place on that front. Lots of folks uh, working on trying to 
find uh, various products that could uh, ease some of the symptoms of the uh, coronavirus. Maybe not uh, solve the problem right now, but at least uh, try to mitigate it. And also, uh, House Speaker Nancy Pelosi and the Trump administration are hoping to announce agreement on a coronavirus aid package. The measure would provide sick pay, free testing, and other resources in an effort to calm teetering financial markets and the mounting crisis. Treasury Secretary Steven Mnuchin said this morning negotiations were going well, and he told CNBC that we're close to getting this done. So there's just a whole lot going on, and uh, of course the uh, coronavirus as well. So that's how things are shaping up. Busy day in our markets, and as always, more information available on our website, krvn.com. Radio Network. This is Brandon Bennett. Yesterday afternoon, the University of Nebraska announced that as the COVID-19 virus continues to spread and the concerns over that virus, the NU system will transition to remote access learning after their spring break scheduled for the week of March 22nd through the 29th in order to help protect the health and safety of the NU communities. Classes at the University of Nebraska-Lincoln, Omaha, and Kearney will be taught remotely beginning the week of March 30th when students return from their spring break. Spokesperson for the University of Nebraska, Carney Todd Gatula, talked about the background of how that decision was made. You just got to look as this whole situation evolves at the health and safety of our campus community, and it gets difficult, it's fluid, there's a lot of questions that none of us, I don't think, really have the answer to and have never really dealt with anything like this. So you take the best advice of the health departments and those around you and leadership, and you make decisions for the safety and health of the students, and we felt like this was in the best interest of the University of Nebraska system as well as the UNK campus. Back in 2005, in preparation for the H5N1 bird flu, UNK, along with many campuses across the nation, were looking at models where teachers could teach and students could learn remotely. However, the technology wasn't always there. Now, 15 years later, technology has made a big difference, and Catula explains how technology has helped keep everyone safe because of the remote access availability. Yeah, I think the nice thing in today's environment, the majority of our students, the majority of our faculty, they're accustomed to having classes remotely and in alternative ways. And while there's definitely going to be some challenges on, on both sides of that, I think there's a comfort level. The technology does allow itself to work and study remotely. And I think we'll get through it. It's going to be some give and take by both faculty and students to get there in certain classes. And, and there's courses that don't lend themselves very well to online or remote learning. And we're asking our faculty to, to be creative and carry out the best way they think, you know, what they can accomplish in in doing that, what's best for them and the students, and find creative ways to to finish out the semester. Another important aspect of the campus community are the staff on campus, where when faculty and students can teach and learn remotely, the staff have to remain on campus and how that's going to work for the NU system. So right now, everybody that can come to work is expected to come to work and follow their normal schedules. And it's important to note, just because we're suspending those in-person meetings and classroom sittings, the majority of our buildings and facilities on campus are going to be open so the student union or other buildings on campus will all be accessible, the library and cafeteria, student services like health and counseling, academic advising, residence life, those will all remain open. So staff will be expected to report if able, and if the situation changes and warrants it, then we'll address then what to do. Another one of those key areas that will remain open for business on campus are the residence halls for the students. They can still remain and live on campus. 
They will remain open. So coming back off of spring break on March 30th when we start classes in this way, those students can choose to stay at home if they want or if they live off campus or if they need a residence life housing here on campus. They'll all be open so they can return and complete their studies, just not in a classroom setting. But it's business as usual in a, in a, in a lot of ways. Catula explains how that the emergency operations team, or the EOT, that each campus has helps not only to keep the campus safe, but also prepares for events such as this. We do tabletop exercises frequently, and we've activated that group and been meeting daily here for more than a week now, and we feel really prepared for anything that we might face and working closely with the campus community and leadership in the community as well as health departments. So we feel prepared to face almost anything we have to deal with concerning this. That was University of Nebraska Kearney spokesperson Todd Gatula. Again, the University of Nebraska system is not closing their campuses, simply transitioning to a remote access learning for all students beginning on Monday, March 30th. With the Rural Radio Network, this is Brandon Bennett. Clay Patton on the Rural Radio Network. We're joined with John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst with Daniel Zag Marketing in Chicago and publisher of the newsletter this week in Grain and John, we're, are we just still in a macro-driven market and grains are just kind of on the sidelines for the ride? Well, I think the market's torn right now on the grain side. You know, you think it's going to be up with the amount of livestock that's going to need to be fed out here. Uh, so I think there's kind of a, you know, a cash tightness. You're seeing basis on the river tighten. You're seeing basis at the ports tighten. Uh, you're seeing basis your way, I imagine, tighten on both corn and beans. And I think at this point it's a little bit, of a tough market because the macro side is pulling the futures down, but the cash is staying strong. It's a little bit in the case for cattle, too. I know it's a grain report, but I got guys out my way who bought $166 calves this morning, and the cat and the futures are trading down at 121 So you've got these huge spreads between uh, where the futures are trading because of all the fear and where the cash markets are trading in the local. That tells me you probably should sell your grain in the calves because that's where the, that's where the, the risk could lie that that would go away. So... Short term here, it's, you know, it's a risk off. I think it'll turn around at some point. I still think the world is, or the, at least the U.S. population is still trying to grapple about best how to handle this. Nancy, Speaker of the House, Nancy Pelosi, just unveiling the House's uh, stimulus plan. Part of that really focusing on the food portion, keeping people fed, kids fed, snapping this. Does that ever look positive for commodities on that segment? I don't know. It's probably so full of pork, everybody will win, at least in the short run. But, I mean, honestly, this is not, this isn't about money. There's plenty of liquidity. There's plenty of liquidity in the system to handle this. It's just about demand and what you're trying to tell people in the market right now. And there's no policy that can change this to get people to move more. And in, in economics, it's called the velocity of money. And the velocity of money is not just about, um, about how many goods are in the system, but how, how, how quickly are you moving money from when you get it to when you spend it? And in this kind of situation, people are just sitting there. So you're getting all this cash put in the markets, banks are getting it, but in the meantime, there's nothing to spend it on because you can't fly anywhere. You're really not gonna drive a lot of places. <laughs> so you're gonna go spend it on shopping because shopping malls are closed, closing. So I think we're trying to grapple for what this economic break will be. I think in the in the macro sense of it, it's actually a good thing for the population maybe to have a little bit of a break here, but I don't know if the economics will support that idea long term. So I, I look for a sell-off here on Fox. There we go. That's John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst with Daniel Zag Marketing in Chicago. Learn more at danielzagmarketing.com. Again, danielzagmarketing.com. Do remember, trading futures and options involves risk of loss that may not be suitable for all investors. Consider these risks before investing.